What a week it's been. So much to talk about and so many things we can't talk about. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the villain Marty Scurll and you are listening to Behind, no sorry, what was it? Me and my friend Mark, we're gonna stop watching. I'm Mark. And I'm Harris. And we'd like to welcome you to Behind the Gorilla, a podcast where we delve into the wild, wacky, and crazy side of professional wrestling. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Behind the Gorilla. We didn't have one last week. Didn't even mention it. Didn't didn't apologize on social media. Didn't do anything because <laughs> I just I didn't I just didn't do it. And Harris didn't do it either. So hopefully none of you noticed. And now we're back. And t- Mark and was now- out. Huh? What? Huh? Mark was out scouting for oh. the Yeti out in Colorado. <laughs> I literally thought you said Mark, watch out, and I was like, huh? What? What? What for? What? Mark behind you. Okay. <laughs> Surprise, buddy! I came to see you for Christmas oh, and waited wow. until this moment yeah, to reveal it. Too bad it. because I'm leaving, so that, yeah. that was very unfortunate. It's like Muppet Family Christmas. <laughs> oh man, we talk we talk about the Muppets a lot. We do, show, but it, but like. it fits because they're they're they they're related to wrestling, so mm, it, they're fair true. game. No, man, Muppet Family Christmas is underrated gem of the Christmas movies that not enough people know about. Has one of the greatest bits of all time with Sam the American Eagle, and I use that gif all the time. It's where they're doing their uh, Christmas pageant, and um, the the two headed monster is Santa Claus, and and comes out, and, and Sam just looks and goes, "Is nothing sacred." <laughs> <laughs> I think I've seen that gift. I, I use that gift all the time, and that's it's what it's funny. from. That is what Very it's good. from. But anyway, that's not what this podcast is about. Although maybe it is. Who knows? I, I assume we're gonna hear a Christmas topic. Harris, it was no. Harris's one today, and um, so this week, <laughs> this year, we really slacked off, and we'll it, finish it with two Christmas topics well, instead it of five. Out, it worked out well though, because there aren't that many great that's Christmas true. topics. That's true. And I we, feel we like- used most of them last year. Right, and yours was good a few weeks ago, I and I'm pretty that. happy with mine tonight, and I don't think we could have kept that level of relative quality up the entire month. So yeah, I think this has worked out pretty well. It definitely would have been tough it, to, to follow last week's. Yeah. My, my, my last one I enjoyed quite a bit. Yeah. Spoiler alert, the Muppets are not in my episode, oh, but it's very man. much a Christmas episode. So. Well, that's good. That's good. One out of two. Hmm. Um, anyway, um, I don't know if there's much really to talk about because – we're two weeks behind and you know right. AEW's rolling it's great I, although i'm not gonna lie man i'm kind of annoyed with this impact partnership because i don't watch impact it's very difficult to watch i'm not gonna pay twitch to watch it and so i'm kind of annoyed <laughs> twitch is free dude you don't pay anything for when it. i've tried to do uh impact you have to be on a subscription when I've i tried think to you just have impact, to have an account maybe i made an account and it kept saying this is premium Oh, really? Oh, well, I shoot. Okay, well, I only have – I have two thoughts that I've had over the last two weeks, and they're more about last week than this week, but we didn't record last week. Right, right. Number one, I I watched Impact. Like, you know, the paper – the episode of of Dynamite ended. Kenny Omega stole the title. It wasn't a screw job like they kept insisting it was, but that's fine. And they say, tune into Impact, and we'll tell you all about it. And I thought, okay. 
well played. This will be interesting. Like we talked about this on the show. Yep. Go listen to our last episode. I was like, all right, great. I guess I'm watching Impact. And I watched a normal episode of Impact because it's clearly pre-taped. Right. And they didn't – like they referenced Kenny Omega on commentary, but it was just a bunch of bad matches. And then at the very end, they kept like – they kept cutting to a bus. And then in the last 10 minutes of the show, Kenny Omega and Don Callis were like, yeah, what's up? We're here at Impact. Like in the bus outside in the parking lot. Like they recorded it in the bus in Jacksonville, <laughs> right. clearly. Like five minutes after Dynamite ended. Mark, that was Bush League. That whole episode sucked. Okay, well, I impact didn't watch it. I just sucked. saw. I saw the I'm impact. Not... I, I saw the uh, the the Omega Cal yep. thing, and that was amazing. It they was, cut. It was fantastic. Listen, they cut a perfectly good heel promo segment, but the fact that it was cross promoted as like, oh, we're 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 going to Impact, and everything's going to be different, wasn't? Yeah, the Impact episode sucked. Mark, it made NWA seem like big time. And some of that's just because, you know, like there's no hey, people hey, and hey, it's hard hey, for them. Hey, 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 don't be knocking NWA. NWA's top tier quality. No, I know. But here's the thing. Like NWA understands that they're small. Right. Oh, and yeah. has purposely structured the show to be like a throwback. Right. Impact is like, no, look at us. We're pro wrestling. And you're like, dude, this listen, genuinely and honestly, that episode of Impact is like what people who don't watch wrestling think wrestling is like. That's how bad it was. That's all huh. I could think while I was watching it. So I was I, I was very annoyed. I'm not watching Impact again. I know Kenny Omega is teaming up with um, Gallows and Anderson yeah, on their next is, pay-per-view. Awesome. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So that match might actually be pretty good. I'm not watching Impact anymore. Like you couldn't just have him cut that promo in the ring and at least it feels different. Right. It, it, that was a Bush League move. The other thing I have to say, and this is not a criticism, this is just funny, and you'll probably think it's a little stupid. It's always I, – I know about Sting, right? Like I know Sting's history. I've seen a bunch of stuff from him both for this podcast and just on my own, like catching up on wrestling history. I remember his run in WWE. Like I know who he is. I know what he sounds like. But because like most of his run – or like the the most famous part of his career, the most popular run he was on, was when he was like the crow watching from the rafters in WCW, and so much of his you know career is built around that imagery. And because like he was always loosely a parallel to the Undertaker, and you know there was all like that was the dream match you want to see those two guys go together at some point. It's very funny to me whenever Sting cuts a promo and I'm like, oh, yeah, he just talks like a guy. Mm-hmm. That's really funny to me. It's not a bad thing. It was just like it was that segment of Dynamite two weeks ago that we didn't get to talk about where he came out to the ring and he's got that crazy entrance with the snow and the music and he gets out to the ring. and He's like, Tony Schiavone, what's up, man? How you doing? Say the line, dude. Like that was it. <laughs> Cracked me up. <laughs> And I just I wanted to talk about that because I wanted to say it last week and we didn't record. But I was just like, oh, yeah, he's just like that's a, that's an interesting point kind of a guy. That's why I like having you on the show. Someone who's totally unfamiliar with with a majority of, you know, wrestling wrestling stuff, at least pers- on a personal basis. And that's a good point, because, yeah, you're right. Sting was like that for literally about 14 months. Out of his what forty year wrestling career? Yeah, 
exactly. And uh, and yeah, but that but you're right. I mean, that is the, that is the most famous thing for sure. And so that's kind of the I guess that could be the perception still, at least you know, at least subconsciously from a lot of people that because again, he hasn't really. I mean, he he had a, a like a ten year run on on uh, TNA, but you know, especially in the last. 10 years has not had a ton of stuff that he's done since I guess the early 2010s. And, right. um, yeah, that that's, but that's, that's funny. That's interesting. Cause to me, I'm like, well, Oh yeah. I mean, it's sting. It's always the way his promos right. have been. He's always right. a high energy. All like that. That's always that sting. Even, even after the crow ended and he kept the same face paint and everything, he was still then back to the same sting. Like right. if you watch well, the later that, WCW or even into yeah. TNA when he he kept the same look, but he's then just he's Sting again. So that right. is, and that's we've funny. Even, we've talked about like I did a whole episode on Joker Sting yeah. where he's exactly what it sounds like. He's doing a Joker like thing, but it's just like the way he looks and the face paint and the music because like that theme and that entrance that he has in AW is so cool. And they spend so much time building him up, and then he talks, and he's like, hey, come here, man, give me a hug. And you're just like, oh, right, because he's a guy. Like, yeah, right. that's how he, he still cuts promos like he's blonde surfer sting. And that's not a criticism. It just, like, takes me out of it for a second. That's funny. Every time, and that was very funny. That is but, yeah, funny. I I didn't watch a ton of Dynamite this last week. I feel like... It was good. It, it seems always good. good. I, there's... Is Darby ever going to defend the TNT title? I feel like they yeah, put that then, on him, and then they signed Sting, and we're like, oh, wait, forget about this. Yeah, we well, got him the, Sting they already have that match set for him and Brian Cage. I don't remember if it's next week. I don't remember when, but it, that, they, they've they set that match. They set that match a couple weeks ago. Okay. So, so he's okay. going to defend against Brian Cage, which that's an interesting matchup because you're like, how in the world can you make Darby Allen believably beat Brian Cage? And so mm-hmm. that, that that's always that's always interesting whenever they have matchups like that with a dude that's just yeah. five times the size of another of, of another one and the smaller one is the champion. So that's that's always interesting. So that that'll be fun. But yeah, you're right. They, he hasn't done a whole lot since since then. That is kind of interesting how that has worked out, but yeah. But it is set anyway, but yeah, it, it was another good show. Good matches. I, I like that they're pushing uh, Jack Evans and Angelico a little bit more because they're so good in the ring. That that's uh, that's fun to see. Like Cody, the Cody and Angelico match was awesome. That was that was a great match. And um, so I do like that they're kind of. I don't know how they're doing it, but they, it does seem like they kind of have like a rotation thing of uh, who they're utilizing out of a lot of their wrestlers which mm-hmm. I think is a great way to do it, especially when you have one show, because that's one of the biggest problems with WWE, right? Is it's literally the same people every single time in the mm-hmm. same matches. And AEW has enough people where their their roster is at least somewhat comparable to WWE's, obviously not nearly as big, but it, it's at least close. And they only have the one show. Uh, so they're a lot, they're, they're able to kind of rotate guys. So sometimes it's disappointing when you're like, man, we haven't seen Luchasaurus or jungle boy do something in a while, but mm-hmm. there's like this rotation. So you keep getting new people getting to be on the show. And I, I think that's, that's actually really smart. And I think that's going to keep the show. It keeps a fresh element and an interesting element that other types of wrestling promotions just don't have the luxury of doing. Yeah, I think you're right. And plus like now, whenever, 
I like you said, whether it's a formal rotation or not, whenever Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus kind of get back into well, it. Well, they are. They're going to wrestle FDR, I think, next week. Either Ooh, I think next okay. week. They set that up last week when right. they attacked him um, nice. during their match, like at okay. like, like in the ring. So, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Harris, you're not paying attention to a lot of stuff. No, I've been <laughs> keeping an eye on it, but I'm not. No, no, I haven't been watching that closely. Man, are they ever going to do anything that. with Darby Allin? T- yeah, he's got a match set coming up. Oh, okay. Okay, well, cool. if they yeah. ever have used Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, yeah, they have a match with FTR. Well, when oh, they come okay. back in, yeah. Like, <laughs> I've been following, like, three things, and that's, you know, that's been enough. Like I that's said, fair. I'm watching this thing stuff. Okay, this is this is what I was watching. I love, this was such a great, like, Cody Rhodes' fingerprints all over this moment where he comes out and he's like, I've waited my whole life for this moment. It's me, Cody Rhodes, the son of Dusty Rhodes. In the ring with Sting. And Sting's like, yeah, 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 shut up. I'm not here for you. That guy up there, <laughs> you're interesting. He calls him That's... a kid. Yes. Great. I love which it. which I works love it so on much. multiple levels because it literally mm-hmm. works because mm-hmm. literally that's what Sting knows him. I mean, he's known mm-hmm. him since he was born. He, you know, mm-hmm. that That is who he is to him. But just in the context of the show, it's like this is the dude who's basically in charge of everything. And Sting's still just like, nah, 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 kid, here, I'll talk to you later. Like, it's just, oh, it's so good. Again, like we said from that very first step, that very first time when he showed up, like, four angles were, were started all at the exact same time. And they can now exactly. take their time and do whichever one, you know, in whatever order they want. But you got Darby, you got Cody, you got Arn, and you all of them set up right then. And so, yeah, that that, that was that was great. I like that a lot. You know, yeah, and you're right. That's 100% all Cody. <laughs> oh, man. AEW's good. My Sting shirt came in the mail finally, which I did not expect to see that before February. So that was a that was a nice surprise. Yeah, I saw that. Congratulations. Props to Pro Wrestling Tees <laughs> for getting that out within a month. So that was pretty good. But anyway, um, no no re- reason going through any of the card. You know, it, it, you guys all saw it. AEW's great. Keep watching it. Um, Kenny Omega's champion is wonderful. I hope they don't screw it up like FTR's champion. I hope Kenny Omega's champion for like six years straight. Because why not? Do it. Yeah. Bruno well, San Martino, 5,000 day title oh, reign. Why not? Well, as has been established on the show, I think they really botched FTR. I don't yeah, think Yeah, but me and you are the only that people that, that think that, and you and me are mm-hmm. the only people that constantly think the wrong decisions are made with the wrong young bucks for the past two years. Yeah. I, I've realized, I don't know. I mean, we've I talked about been this a against lot. every young bucks decision basically since new Japan. I have come to the, and I didn't realize it, but at, with that last <laughs> title run with that last title, win, I, I, I realized it, I'm like, I, I feel like this every time the young bucks have a big match every time. I think I'm just, not a huge Young Bucks fan. Maybe like, I'm not. E- maybe bad. I'm not either. But like, I miss them in the New Young Japan because they, they can wrestle. The like they're really good and can do perfect well, matches. But they choose not to most well, of the let time. Let me get okay. Let me get this thought out, and then we 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 can pivot because we don't want to talk about this all night. It's, yeah, we're recording late, and I'm tired. But like, they're great at what I was introduced to them as, which is, okay, it's January, time for me to watch my one New Japan show for the year. Hey, look, it's the Young Bucks in a tag team match, and they go absolutely bananas and do like 10,000 crazy moves in a match. 
But and also the New Japan That's matches are somewhat grounded because it's New Japan, which does have a style that they adhere to for the most part. Okay. And so they keep it somewhat grounded and they do really, really impressive tag team work and selling work, especially with Matt for like three years. His back was dead. And that was always <laughs> that was always awesome. And then uh, once that kind of what and the, but but the the indies young bucks are very different than the new japan young bucks right but still when i tune into a young bucks match it's like a crazy spot fest match for the sake of a crazy spot fest match right. and the second you put them on episodic american television every week i'm like i don't care what these guys are doing they seem kind of douchey like that's yeah, I, yeah. I, i've just i've never <laughs> been able to get into them beyond that on a week by week basis. And it's not because they're not talented. I just don't think they've figured out how to use them. I don't think they had a plan. And we've beaten all this to death. But I feel like when but they Harris, started the show. It works. And this is literally what they've been doing for years. And most people eat it up yeah. completely. Yeah. Like we are the yeah. minority as far as this level of wrestling fans. I'm not talking about the old, you know, curmudgeon wrestling fans, which oh, we geez, sound like. Us. Which it's we sound like Jim now. Cornette, that's it. But I don't I have know, a problem with most of their matches. It's just the storytelling choices, yep, like in every yep, other yep. sense of the thing. Yep, yep. It is just <sighs> funny how every time they have this big match that me and you are like, well, that was dumb. And then everyone else is like, match of the year! It's two it's years in a row. Dumb. It's happened. Not even dumb. Just like, it's fine. And the story is a little bit of a letdown. And everyone else is like, no, it's incredible. Or it's dumb. Like both it's, of their both of their match of the year matches of the pa- over the past two years have been dumb. Now this last match again was really good until the end. The, no, it was it was no. mostly good, and then the end no. kind of ruined it. The other match I just thought was dumb. But um, anyway, that's neither here nor there. We just lost our few fans already that actually listen to the show. Um, hmm. Anyway, hmm. this hmm. is not a Young Bucks bashing podcast. We respect the Young Bucks. Um, all right, enough of that. Moving on. Topic Woo. time. Harris Woo. has a Christmas topic, and um, I'm I'm interested to see uh, to see what he we what he uncovered. Ooh, okay. So this is a Christmas episode. I did that thing. You did it last week. I did it last year with the uh, episode of Raw where Alberto Del Rio runs over Santa Claus. I found a holiday episode, so it's not a gimmick. It's not a match. Harris, Harris. Literally, I think every one of our Christmas episodes, except for like two, have just been full holiday episodes. <laughs> I feel like you're right, but I only remember the few that I just mentioned. And then you talking about the Christmas creature, which I feel like wasn't even enough for a match, right? Yeah, so, I don't even remember if that was a whole topic. I think that was just a side thing that we yeah, talked about. But any, so we're going all the way back to the dark, dark, dark days of 2011. Oh, which I feel like we. Oh, no, not again. Harris, we have I can't. I'm actually impressed. I'm impressed. We have found something from the year 2011 that we haven't covered already. This is amazing. It's, it's so funny how like the vast majority of the stuff we've covered has been like three calendar years. I feel like. Yeah, I'm telling you, 2005, 2011 and like what? Like 2000, 1999 <laughs> and 2000. Yeah, not yeah, 90 yeah. like 99, 2000, 2005 and 2011 are like half of our podcast episodes are from yeah. those like 4 years, that's true. And it's just it's I don't know what I feel like we could do a whole episode about why that is. We have. And we did a whole episode reason, about the year like, 2000. 
this isn't even it's not that crazy or that bananas or that balls to the wall like a lot of the stuff we've covered isn't like a bigger storytelling sense like that whole episode about the year 2000 was just hey these guys didn't have a plan and it was really bad this isn't anything like that this is just wacky christmas nonsense this could have happened in any other year it just happened to be 2011. So it's <laughs> it's December 2nd. It's weirdly early in the year for a Christmas episode. Wait, wait, what? Yeah. December 2nd? I don't know why they did it then. I don't know if they had plans before that. That's weird. Or what? But this is an episode of SmackDown taped actually in November, but it aired on December 2nd. So it's even earlier wait, than that. what? Yeah. Yeah, because it was, you know, it's one of those... Uh, oh man the smackdown schedules varied so much over the years but we open in the middle of mark believe it or not a freak snowstorm which just started 30 seconds ago right here in charlotte north carolina in in december where it's you know probably 50 degrees but you can see it on the camera like the camera shot outside the arena there's snowflakes falling well that's and they might to the untrained eye, they might look a little fake and they might look a little digital. But no, Josh Matthews assures us that's snow. That's real. And it just started. Wow. Which is crazy because tonight's the holiday episode of SmackDown. And we're hosted, of course, by who else but Mick Foley dressed well, as Santa Claus. Not in a Santa. He is not playing Santa. I want to be clear. Right. But it is red coat, red hat. Saint Mick, you know, and he makes his way to the ring and Joy to the World is playing as his theme song. But it's like it's Mick Foley. He isn't pantomime Santa. He is himself. Right. And he makes his way to the ring and he starts talking about how, you know, it's the holidays. And I know it's a few weeks early, but I love Christmas. I celebrate it all year long, blah, blah, blah. So we're going to go ahead and get started and have the holiday show here tonight. And I'm in charge. And he starts running down the list of bullet points. You know, all the holiday-themed nonsense that we're going to talk about in this episode. Yay. And Mark, the first thing he says is what is what initially got me interested in this episode. Because he starts by saying, that's right, in the main event, we're going to have a steel cage match. For the World Heavyweight Championship between Tiny Tim and the Ghost of Christmas Fear. All right, hold on. Um, You lost me. Tiny Tim and the Ghost of Christmas Fear. Please tell me that Tiny Tim is Big Show. Please. Please (laughs) have Tiny Tim be Big Show, and that's all I I ask for. So, what... It's not, but you're oh. kind of big show is in the orbit of what happens here. Well, I'm gonna go course. ahead and rip this I'm gonna rip this particular band-aid off. It's just Daniel Bryan and Mark Henry having a normal steel cage match. Oh. Mick Foley just called it that to try and give it a Christmas vibe. They don't oh. dress up. There's no Christmas gimmick. You don't I have Daniel Bryan doesn't come out with a crutch like in a no, little hat. Nothing. Oh man. No. There's it's, this was a I've, missed opportunity. I know, and you want to see it be like I, I tuned in for this Christmas nonsense, right? right? And I read Tiny Tim versus Ghost of Christmas Fear when I was like Googling for topics, and I was like, what? <laughs> no, it's just a normal match. That's but the disappointing. Rest of, well, the rest of the stuff on the show is, is zany enough to make up for it, as I discovered. So we'll get into that. But we're also going to have some of your classics, right? There's going to be a miracle on 34th Street oh. fight, which they have every year. 
those are I enjoyed them to be honest with you. There's gonna be an all I want for Christmas battle royal, and there's gonna be a special divas match, right? Yeah, of course. But but that's not all. So it's 2011, Mark. What are some of the um what are some of the topics that we've covered on this show that might bleed over into this particular oh, episode geez. of SmackDown? If you can think of one thing that was going on in 2011. That I don't know. Well, this is late. Every th- this is literally like show. the end of 2011. Mm-hmm. So correct. Hmm. Anything that pervaded every single waking second of the show for like three years? Uh, shoot. I don't. It's remember. heel Michael Cole, ladies oh. and gentlemen. That's still right. that dragged uh. on that long after WrestleMania. I thought they they I thought they quelled that within like a month or two. So we'll get into it a little bit. He's still a heel. I don't think it's that bad in this particular episode. And maybe then it's this must I was be just when they quelled Christmas it down. Because at some point I, they they toned it way down because yeah. it was just unbearable for like six months. Yeah. So this might be during it, that. I, I think it is. I think it's a few months removed from some of the more insufferable parts of it. But so like Mick Foley, as he's wrapping up his opening promo, points out, well, on Monday Night Raw, I, I promised that there would be no Michael Cole on SmackDown, which is the greatest gift anyone can give in the year 2011. There's no heel is, Michael Cole. Yes, it is. It is. Uh, but unfortunately, Michael Cole has a very good legal team, and they successfully pointed out that he is contractually obligated to appear on the show. And a guest GM, which is essentially what Mick Foley is in this situation, can't take that away from him. But, but... He can't he hire? No, can't he hire like the great Kali to just sit on him for the whole show? Oh, theoretically he could, but what he chooses to do instead is he is astutely pointed out. Michael Cole's contract has no say in how he is dressed. Which, by the way, given what we know about like WWE contracts and how terrible they are, that's that's the most accurate thing that happens on this entire show. It's true. They're like, yeah, it doesn't. They could make him show up wearing like the. Michelin man suit every week and it wouldn't matter. But in this case, he now comes to the ring after the show starts, which is pretty rare. Normally the announcers come out beforehand, but Mick goes ahead and calls him out to the ring dressed in a head to toe Rudolph, the red nosed reindeer suit Antlers, nose. He's got a tie on still. Cause he's Michael Cole and he's a dweeb and he's so miserable. Yay! So, so we have mad. we have a through line from last time from uh, the, our last episode as well. Someone <laughs> dressed up as Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. The only difference yeah. is Michael Cole didn't have to climb a ladder to grab a decapitated head right. off a of, but know, off the hook. But uh, but he's so mad, That's and he's great. doing like again. We've we've established on this show, heel Michael Cole was terrible and insufferable. Yeah, but right now. He's just being a good, like, angry heel. He's stomping to the ring, and he's like, I don't see what's funny about this. This is stupid. Like, it's just, it's very good. It's him, like, he's dialed it back to 9 instead of 11, and it kind of works. He makes his way to the announce desk, and Josh Matthews looks at him and says, well, you look ridiculous, which wouldn't be funny, (laughs) except for the first time in the show, we see that Josh Matthews is dressed head to toe in a Buddy the Elf costume, (laughs) which has like not even been addressed up until this point. We haven't seen him on television at all. It just cuts to him. And he's like, well, you look ridiculous. And Michael Cole sits down and they start the show. 
Oh, Michael Cole. And again, I, I have a few highlights from Michael Cole because really this episode is not bad. It's not. I know this is kind of blasphemous, but it is much more in the vein of like your classic J.R. and Jim Ross, like WWF primetime Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan. Like, will you stop? Yeah. Heel face chemistry. There's a lot more of that going on in this episode. Like at one point, like as he's making his way to the ring or as he sits down and Mick Foley is introducing the next guest, they Josh Matthews is like, well, you know, I think this, this guy coming to the ring is just getting into the holiday spirit. And Michael Cole says the holiday, there is no such thing as the holiday spirit. The holidays are just an excuse to take time off work and get drunk. Great. Classic heel work. Hates Christmas. Sure. Of course. Perfect. Yeah, that's so, in the contract but, too. <laughs> exactly. You're a heel, must hate Christmas. Oh, I love it, dude. That's the kind of stuff I love about these Christmas episodes. I know so you Mick, do. I know. So Mick Foley is calling the next announcer down to the ring because it's a three-man booth still. And it's Booker T. Uh, and Booker T's a face at this point. So he has to dress up like Santa. Mick Foley made the whole announce team dress up, hence the elf costume. Of course. But it's not, you know, it's not that humiliating. And he gets I'm into not going to lie. Booker T is one of the handful of people that can literally be dressed as anything and still be cool. Yeah. Because he literally, because he has. <laughs> he has done it. We yeah. did that episode a few months ago. G.I. <laughs> yep. Bro. G.I. Bro. Still cool. It works somehow. It does. He can pull well, off Mick, just about anything. So Mick calls him down to the ring, and instead of going to the table, he actually gets him up physically into the ring. Because Mick Foley, ever the generous and open-minded babyface, points out, well, hey, you know, I love Christmas, and we always have Christmas specials and Christmas parties, but I think we should do something for our friends and neighbors in the um, in the Jewish community. Mark, are you familiar with a dreidel? Um, yes. Okay. Do you want to explain what it is, or do you want me to? Uh, go 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 ahead. Okay. Wikipedia describes a dreidel as a four-sided. You needed to, spinning... you needed to go to Wikipedia. Oh man, I could have done it. No, but I'm just you know I like to <laughs> provide some source of objectivity here for the listeners. A dreidel is a four-sided spinning top played during the Jewish holiday of Hanukkah. Looks like a little dice. It's got some Jewish letters on it. You spin it. I don't know anything else about it other than that. And there's a little like Jewish song that's traditionally associated with the dreidel. Sure. So Mick Foley says, hey, how about you give us a little uh, dreidel Rooney there, Booker T? And the music starts playing. Please tell me that Booker T just looked at him with like, I can't believe you just said that look because. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Because that's the greatest thing Booker T has ever given to the wrestling business is that tell me he did not just say that look is is just it's it's top tier quality. He's so good at that look, Mark. Rewatching this, and he can change it. He can do it in a ridiculous way and he can do it in like, I'm going to kill you way. Like he can vary it. And well, he's. He's so good at it that rewatching this episode, I thought briefly, I was like, is this a rib? Like, did they not tell him they were doing this? I don't think it was. I think it's all scripted. Yeah. But he, the way he looks at him in that moment, he's like, why are you? No, dude, why are you making me do this? Like, that's what his eyes scream. But he's a good sport, so he does it. I just, that's amazing. I think, to my knowledge, that's the only Hanukkah celebration we've ever seen in the WWE universe is it's, a dreidel it, Rooney from... It might be. Uh, so that's very good. And then at this point, before we can get into more 
presumably Jewish shenanigans. Cody Rhodes comes out. Intercontinental champion Cody Rhodes, formerly shattered Cody Rhodes. This is a weird time capsule of an episode. Yeah, it is. But it's very fun. He cuts a promo running down Booker T. Booker T gives a response, which is basically just, dude, I do, what do you like? What's your problem? I'm just an announcer. Why are you so mad at me? I don't get it. <laughs> and Mick Foley's like, great, you two are in a match. And Cody's like, awesome. And then he looks at Booker T and he's like, you're cool with that, right? And Booker T looks at Mick Foley the same way. Like, why did you put me in a match? With the Intercontinental <laughs> Champion, I'm 50 years old. But he just says, he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm cool with it. Because he's a good baby face. You know, you're like, all right, let's go, Booker T. Yep. And then Mick Foley, St. Mick, announces the first of our special Christmas matches for the evening. This is the Divas match. And Mark, Woo-hoo. it's 2011. It's a women's match. It's Christmas time. What kind of match do you think we have here? They're all dressed as elves. Oh yeah, absolutely. That went without saying. Yeah. What else? Um, that that's it, man. They they might say something, but that's really it. Yeah. Well, so okay. Uh, it's not just elves. They're all dressed in like Christmassy outfits, right? So some of them are Santa, some of them are elves. Whatever. It's a mistletoe on a pole match. Obviously. Oh yay! Yeah. Right. And he points out before the match begins. Okay, you know, so they do that thing where generic music starts playing and the entire women's yeah. roster oh, yeah. comes like skipping down. Well, you to gotta the get ring all cause... 12 of them out in the ring with, you know, sh- sooner than 12 minutes. So. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And Mick Foley announces, ladies, this is a very special match. It's a mistletoe on a pole match. The object is to, you know, climb up to the pole, snag the mistletoe and whoever wins will get the ability to cash in on a very special prize. Between now and Christmas, which remember, this is December 2nd. It's a full month to cash in this special prize. And Michael Cole immediately points out, okay, this sounds exactly like a money in the bank match, right? Like that must be what they're (laughs) cashing in. No. Which is kind of silly to make it a mistletoe themed match. But like you get this a lot, you know, it's a classic, hey, we need a new number one contender Make it a battle royal, make it some sort of multi-man gimmick, you know, get everybody on the card, give somebody a, a title shot or a number one contendership shot. What do you think they win, Mark? They if win you... they win a kiss with Michael Cole. Oh, dude, you're so close. <laughs> wow. So the match the bell rings and the match begins, and we'll get to the the stat of this match in just a second. The the statistics. I took some notes. But so Brie, Brie Bella wins the match. And the way she wins Yay. the match is by distracting her own sister, her twin, Nikki, uh, kind of like knocking her into the turnbuckle, climbing up her prone body and snatching the mistletoe. And she starts to celebrate. Nice. And Nikki's like not that mad because they're still friends. And it might have been one of those sketchy twin magic things that she was in on it. I don't know. But Brie is celebrating in the ring, and Michael Cole and and Josh Matthews are already like, oh, wow, so when do you think like Brie's going to cash in her opportunity? Like, it's a title shot, right? And Mick comes out, and he's like, um, okay, look, I feel like there's been a misunderstanding. I apologize. You've won the right to kiss anyone you want between now and Christmas. Congratulations. Hold on, hold on. Is there a specific contract? That this is built into as well, because otherwise, no. That's that's not Wait. the way. That's not the way it works. 
if it, if there is a contract, you're okay with it? If there's a contract written in, then at least there's some sort of reasoning behind the sexual, um, uh, uh, mm. I blanked on whatever the word is. Harassment. Harassment, yes, fits. that's what I was looking for. <laughs> Sorry. Well, it makes it seem like Mick Foley's just making it up as he goes. Like, if Natalia had won, he'd be like, great, title shot, because it's Brie Bella. He's like, um, okay, sweetie. Like, <laughs> here's the thing. This would, like, obviously, this is stupid. If it were, like, won by somebody who had a kayfabe history of being ugly and unloved, then at least it's fun. Like, there is some sort of storyline tension. Like, if Abyss wins something like this in TNA, and all the women are like, gross, Abyss is gross, we don't like him, but one of us has to kiss him. Like, that's still stupid. But at least it's something that, like, I don't know, has some sense of, like, tension or more importantly i don't know gives the character something they don't already have because at this point guess what mark brie bella can kiss whoever she wants and nobody's gonna have a problem with it well literally I mean, nobody like, she didn't have to win a match to walk up to somebody and be like hey can i give you a kiss and then right. be like well That's i don't know I like, like she could she could do that anyway man yep, like yep you know very 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 few people will have any objections yep no, you're absolutely right. I don't. It, it doesn't pay off on this episode, so I don't know if she cashes in the kiss at some point. I didn't do the research on that. What I did do the research well on is the number of seconds that elapse between when the entrance starts and the match ends. And do you know how many seconds? Oh, yeah, that no, is? that's fun. That's fun. We did that uh, last time with the uh, mm-hmm. Silent, Light, Silent Night, Deadly Night uh, mm-hmm. episode because, uh, yeah, there was a women's uh, uh, toy box match. And, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, I think, let's see, the entrances were like five and a half minutes. It was around there and the match was about three and a half minutes. Um, oh. yeah, that's what it was. I'm, I'm pretty sure that sounds right with, okay. with that one. So, yeah, no, I love this. This is always great. Anything from like that, like 15 year period of like 2005 or like a 2000, to, like 2015 is always fun. Whether the entrances are longer than the women's matches. Mm-hmm. So Okay, so they cheated here a little bit because they have the ent- they do that thing where they have the entrance start, they cut to commercial, they come back, yeah. and all the wrestlers are in the ring, right? So the music starts to play, the women make their way to the ring, but I'm going by the WWE Network broadcast, right? Okay. Entrance begins, cut to commercial, come back, Mick Foley explains the stipulation, match starts, Brie Expa- Bella grabs explains the, the stipulation belt. falsely, clearly. Correct. Well, he explains the rules of the match, not what's at stake. Gotcha. And Brie Bella grabs the mistletoe. Mark, one minute and 40 seconds. (laughs) It's astonishing. (laughs) Wait a minute. This is from, like, beginning of entrances? Yes! To end of... (laughs) Yes! It was incredible. I was blown oh, away. Man. I was like, okay, well, this will be like five minutes. Wait a right? minute. No. Wait a minute. And how many people were in this match? Like every woman on the roster. <laughs> There's like 15 women in the match. <laughs> okay. That's got to be some sort of record, man. That, was, that has to be. That has to be. It was literally because I was doing if that If anyone thing where knows like, of a shorter women's match dude. with more people involved, Please let us know at behind underscore gorilla on Twitter mm. or Instagram because I don't think it exists. I, I think, think so we have found the shortest women's thing per like uh per like uh, per participant in it, the history of wrestling. 
it was incredible. Like you remember, you I, you might not have been watching this episode, but I remember when the "Give Divas a Chance" hashtag like trended worldwide because they put like Paige, Natalia, AJ Lee, and like two or three other women in like a six woman tag match. Yeah, that lasted about three minutes. Yeah, and for like everyone the ninth lost week in their a row. Mind. Right. And it right. And it was it was like egregiously short. Yeah. Egregiously low work rate, just really bad and really annoying when you're looking at women like Paige and AJ Lee and Natalia and you're like, come on, what are we doing? This is the worst thing that I've ever seen. And it was <laughs> it was funny for that reason. And because, you know, things got better or whatever. But clearly nobody cared. They were just like, yeah, we got other stuff to do. Come on, get her up there. Let's go. Please like, tell me at least Kelly Kelly was in this match. I don't remember, dude. They are, they all come in at the same time, and the match was over so fast, you don't have time to like figure out who's in it. I know AJ <sighs> Lee was in it. I don't know who else was in it. That's fair. I know both of the Bellas were in it. I mean, it was one step short of Nikki of Brie Bella just turning around and like running up the ropes and grabbing it after the bell rang. Like it was almost that. Which There's I'm not gonna maybe, lie, that could be really funny. That would have been funny. There's maybe 20 seconds of action before that happens. Maybe. It's genuinely incredible. But that's the, you know, that's the women wow. done and dusted for the show. So we can get on to, you know, the important stuff right. like the Christmas party. Every good holiday uh, of episode course. of Raw or SmackDown or Impact has to have a Christmas party. So we go backstage and we've got Mark's favorite wrestler, Hornswoggle, there. And he's serving people <sighs> eggnog at a little table, you no, know. And no, no. <laughs> and gold dust is there and dusty roads is there and they do that thing you know where they bump into each other and they both make the same face and gold dust goes and like blows in his face yep, and yep, walks yep. away because they're related you know and they look the same and dusty's like oh there's some weird people here and walks away <laughs> it's great that's good roddy piper is there of course which is great because i don't think he's even like He's on the roster as an alumni, but clearly the only reason in kayfabe he showed up was because he's not going to miss any Christmas party. I know, no, he's at all of them. Like we, he, yeah. we, we've, we, yeah, we mentioned it. And yeah, Dusty, uh, Steamboat, uh, Piper, like they're, they're part of that group where they're they're always going to show up, pretty much. Right, right, right. So Ron it, Simmons, it, yeah, there's there's a handful of them that usually yeah. show up. So Roddy Piper is talking about what else how to slip laxatives into somebody's coffee. And he's given this other wrestler like the best thing to do. So the best he'll be thing about it is, for... you know, that's legit. Like yep. he actually is an expert at this. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> While he's talking about this, David Otunga. Approaches. Oh, right. Forgot about him. All right. So David Otunga at this point, for those of you who aren't familiar, cause I certainly wasn't, is doing this thing where oh, like boy. he actually in real life graduated from Harvard, which is a pretty like, remarkable accomplishment in general but especially in the pro wrestling world Should've so they're booking there. him as this what should have stayed there oof well that what they're trying to do and it didn't really take off as no. mark's tone of voice that's a good tell that's you. a good way to that's a good way to say it did not take off mm. is the nicest possible to, way to put it they're trying to book him as like this like in the 80s it would have gone over like gangbusters like super nerdy dorky intelligent holier than thou legalistic lawyer no, no Harris, to... no, it would not have worked in the 80s. Okay. The gimmick is not the problem. The individual oh, is the problem. Okay. Have you I'm ever sorry. seen someone in the history of wrestling with less charisma than David Otunga? This is like the only episode I've ever really seen him do much in. The answer is so no. Hard to say. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So what he does here is he comes sauntering up and informs them that they probably shouldn't be talking about slipping laxatives in people's coffee uh, because that's against the WWE rule book. Okay, now hang on, hang on just a second. Yeah. Now this comes into play now? Okay, I want to know about this rule book and I want to know about these contracts (laughs) and I want to know about this stuff because all of a sudden Michael Cole has to dress however they want. Uh, He can also has to show up to the shows whenever he wants. Um, Mm -hmm. We have the women who have the right to sexually harass anyone that they want. I mean, they, I mean, no one would press charges anyway, but still like, (laughs) and now they're okay. I'm, I'm confused, man. I'm this, this episode's all over the place. Look, Clearly, the WWE rulebook is far beyond the understanding of mere mortals <laughs> like you or I, but David Otunga's got it figured out. The funniest part is you're 100% right with that statement. Yeah, it's just, it's it means whatever they want it to mean. But not only, not only is David Otunga pointing out the violations of the mystical WWE rulebook, which, yeah, I would pay $100 for a copy of. Oh, yeah, me too. But, we do a whole episode on that. That'd be fun. But he goes on to say, if anyone has a actually, WWE rule book, <laughs> please hit us up on Twitter at oh, behind boy. underscore gorilla and in, or Instagram at behind underscore gorilla. Because if there is such a thing, even if it's made up, please uh, let us know because we will do a whole episode on that in a heartbeat. That'd be, that would be incredible. Yes, it will. But, so he points out that John Laurinaitis has asked him to make sure um, that all the Christmas music they play at this party is in the public domain, which I feel like a lot of Christmas music is. I'm pretty sure most of it is. But David Otunga says, you know what? Actually, just to be safe, we should go ahead and shut this party down. Just to be on the safe side. Everybody get out. We'll take the tree down. Let's go. And Mick Foley comes up and he's like, uh, hey, I'm going to go ahead and put you in the miracle on 44th Street fight, buddy. And you're going to be fighting Randy Orton. So. Have fun with that. Like you just get him out of here. Yeah. None of that bah humbug in Mick Foley's Christmas party. We're moving right on. Uh, we'll fast forward a little bit from here. Uh, Kofi Kingston takes on Tyson Kidd in a fun, not really Christmassy themed match. Um, man, I miss becomes... Tyson Kidd. Poor guy. I, I, yeah, he, I know, he was man. so good. It's, it's a good match. It's also great because to end the match, Kofi steals Michael Cole's reindeer head. Puts it on his head and then hits like a flying splash off the top rope. Like hang on, Rudolph hang on. Flying Please tell night. me that Michael Cole is now mad that his reindeer costume has been stolen. Because that would be the most perfect heel thing. No, he's apparently um, no. He's he's well, he's consistent. He's like, go ahead, fine, take it. You look like an idiot, oh, like I do. Man. Like, he's he's cranky about I, it. It's even funnier when it's they're pretty... when then they're mad anyway, and you're like, yeah. you didn't even want it. <laughs> yeah. But it's fun, you know, he puts on the Rudolph head for, like, the flying finisher wins the match. It's fun. It's fine. It's your typical, like, high-energy, sure. low-stress Christmas fluff. We cut back to the party. Oh, now we see, once again, okay, Hornswoggle's trying to hang an ornament on the Christmas tree. Uh, and skip, one of the divas this. walks up to skip him. Skip it. Squats down next to him and says, oh, are you trying to hang that, buddy? Maybe you should ask Santa this year to make you a little bit taller. And then she walks away. All right, really good. Mean Never thing mind. To say. Wait, wait, who is I, this? Who is this diva? Which I one? didn't recognize her. I don't ah, know you're the worst. Ah. You're worthless, Harris. You're a worthless ah. void of information. Does it matter? Yes, it that... does. Because now I'm much more of a fan of whoever this is. 
I was hoping you if would you say know that. Who, who this diva is, please let us know at behind underscore gorilla on Twitter oh, and man. or Instagram. Uh, yeah, I how many sorry. more times I can plug our social media during the course yeah, of the podcast. Yeah, I know. You're getting really good at that. That's what I was about to say. But okay, normally so, I, ta- I wait too long, so I'm trying to take uh, advantage. You know? talking, about, talking about the rule book and how made up everything is in this stupid company. Seamus is backstage <laughs> at the party. Seamus is backstage talking to Teddy Long, who is, you know, normally an authority figure on SmackDown. And he's like, okay, wait, Teddy. What exactly does the winner of the All I Want for Christmas Battle Royal get? Because I'm just trying to avoid any more confusion like we saw with the Divas match earlier, which is fair. Yeah, no, it's like the smartest thing anyone says on the entire show. Because Seamus is like, Seamus is like, don't get me wrong. I'll go out there and I'll beat 20 some odd dudes up for fun. But like, I just want to know what's at stake. Like, I don't want to be surprised. And it would be hilarious if... Seamus got the right to kiss anyone he wanted to like if it was an equality thing spoiler (laughs) alert it's not we'll get to what the actual prize is later oh man but Teddy Long is like look I don't know what it is because tonight like Mick Foley's running the entire show I don't know what's going on with any of it or what's at stake for the winner but I'm sure it'll be good and Seamus is like hey listen I'll go fight people I don't care I'm just curious like I just want to know what's up and I love to fight yeah, exactly. And this is, by the way, we'll touch on this a lot. This is clearly like the they are really trying to push Seamus to the moon as a babyface year. Yeah. In fact, no, you can kind yeah. of we are we are very firmly established on the tracks that will lead to Daniel Bryan versus Seamus at WrestleMania and that infamous squash match that everyone hated that sort of catapulted Daniel Bryan and killed Seamus's babyface career for years, if not forever. But he's likable enough in this episode. I'm not telling you I would root for him, but like, yeah. clearly people are digging him. He's got a fun kind of goofy Irish thing going on. I mean, Seamus is back, a like, very likable guy in, yeah, in real yeah. life. But the problem is when you Roman Reigns him, it doesn't work, yeah. which is even more baffling why they did it with Roman Reigns. Because there was about mm-hmm. three or four other examples recently of this failing. Yep. So uh, is and with good people like Seamus is good on the my and, and he's a good babyface too, but it doesn't work when you just push him to the yeah. moon and give them the title right away, and right. it just it just doesn't work. Also, by the right. way, this uh, the diva that I am now more of a fan of is Caitlyn. That is who it was who uh, put okay. put that stupid idiot hornswoggle in his place. Just gonna say that. Sorry, I had to, had to look this up. Okay. More, more no, that's fair. Now. No, that's fair. I appreciate that, but don't look anything else up because I don't want you to know what happens in this. <laughs> oh episode. no, no, no! I did not. Off. I didn't go forward. Okay. No, no, no. Of course. Okay. Not. So then, Mark, I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you. Where like you have a topic and you start to watch and you're like, okay, this is pretty good, but you're not quite sure if it's enough for an episode, and then something happens. Yeah, that's what's – it's a tough feeling until uh, something happens and then you're like, oh my gosh, this is the greatest thing ever. In this case, it's something I would usually skip. Um, it's just it's just a dumb bullying PSA, which is very funny considering we just saw Hornswoggle get super <laughs> bullied by Caitlin. <laughs> that's a great point. That's a very great funny, point. But that is very funny. So WWE has partnered with the Creative Coalition. Be I don't know what star. that is. Yeah. To tell us, yeah, this is the Be A Star campaign, right? And The Miz says bullying is not always about physicality, which is true. Sometimes it's making fun of Hornswoggle. For Very, being true. Short. Very true. Very <laughs> true. Often, he says, it starts with a joke. 
CM Punk comes in and says teasing someone for being different. And then who should appear on the screen, Mark? But David Arquette himself. Yes! In the age of Facebook and Twitter, sometimes there can be no escape. Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night. I lost my freaking mind. (laughs) Surprise, David Arquette. I hate you so much. Yet again. I hate you so much. All the surprise David Arquette's, Harris gets to have an experience. I I tell you, Mark, I was so blindsided by this. He was the last person I ever expected to see on an episode of SmackDown from 2011. Wow. Just absolutely floored me and that wow. was the instant i was like All oh right. we're doing i'm finding this that and i'm gonna put that up on twitter <laughs> okay but stop googling stuff about this episode because I, I don't want I you didn't. to I'm know not, what i'm happens. not googling i'm not i don't have it up i just want okay to we'll do it see, just do see it later. who is making fun of hornswoggle <laughs> so so you know we'll, we'll go wow. back into fast forward a little bit that so is that hang on is that the third surprise david arquette we've had then or, or more than that so we had the original david arquette right. we had his the forklift match that was right. the, that was that, the original that was the and the surprise best David Arquette. I, I, and then I there's saw this him, one. What's the other him, one? Well, I saw him in a non wrestling related thing when I was watching Bone Tomahawk, mm, and then mm. all of a sudden it was like, wait a minute, David That's Arquette right. is in the very first shot of this movie. So mm. it was a non wrestling surprise. Okay. David Arquette. Well, then yes, this is the third one. Okay, and Harris has gotten both <laughs> of the wrestling ones. So you it's suck. Been good. Sorry, buddy. So we keep going. Um, the street fight between Randy Orton and David Otonga is fun. Just like I like the Christmas street fights because it's just the I baby know, face beating you. the brakes off the heel. He's got a tray of cookies. At one point, he wraps a wreath around his neck and like the Santa Claus from a Christmas story goes, ho, 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 and throws him over the steps. Nice. There's a candy cane kendo stick at one point. It's it's a lot of fun. He wins with an RKO. It's just, it's, it, like I said, it's mostly fluff, but it's, it's, it's good, clean fun. I enjoyed it. And then there's a video package for the main event, which, like we established, is Daniel Bryan and Mark Henry. No, this no, 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 related. no, it's not. It's Tiny Tim versus the Ghost of Christmas right. Fear, which there is no such thing as a Ghost of Christmas Fear. So I know that made me laugh. <laughs> I don't, I don't know where that came from. I really, I really wish. It was a Yappapai Indian strat match situation mm. where Mick Foley just said it wrong. And then they're like, well, uh, I guess we're just going to go with this from now on. That's what they call it in the uh, <laughs> when they make the WWE version of a Christmas Carol, like the Muppet Christmas Carol. That's what they're calling it. Okay. He'll be the fourth ghost like off in the corner just being spooky. Yeah, and it okay. will be Mark Henry. Oh, yeah. So, okay. Sorry, this is not related to Christmas, and we're not going to talk about this a lot, but I just wanted to point it out. The video package, this is going back to the rule book again, Mark. Oh, no. The video package for the match points out that the week before, okay, Daniel Bryan is Mr. Money in the Bank at this point. Okay. And the week before, Mark Henry had been, you know, cutting a promo on Big Show in the ring. Big Show did the only thing he's done in the last 20 years, which is just like suddenly turn heel and punch Mark Henry in the face. Right. Every Knock week, him out yeah. cold. Daniel Bryan sprints down to the ring, cashes in the Money in the Bank contract, and pins him. But he doesn't actually cash in, and he doesn't actually win the title because, and I'm quoting, Mark Henry was not medically cleared to compete because he was unconscious. 
Every money in the bank cash it has been like that. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in kayfabe. I was watching at this point, but I still don't remember half of it. Even though I watched all of these years, I was watching everything, but I don't even remember that. That's, oh my god. (laughs) Mark, you know me. You know I like trying to piece things together to make them make sense. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, (laughs) in or out of kayfabe. It's insane. When Harris even is saying a, that, you know it's bad. Even from a booking perspective, this isn't even a dusty finish because Daniel Bryan's a heel. Right. What are you doing? Yeah. What has been accomplished? Why are we like this? I don't know. I just I had to explain that to you because that is the dumbest thing I've ever We're heard. We're not on too WWE far television. away from the yes movement starting either. I know. Well, you can tell. I think the crowds because they're he's he's. Being, you know, like treated a little bit like a heel and Mark Henry is clearly not an out and out heel, but the crowd likes Daniel Bryan. Like it's a pretty interesting, like not quite face and face feud, but like the crowd's into him. So it's, oh, it's terrible. Anyway, it's time for the the final Christmas match of the evening. The all I want for Christmas battle royal. And all the stars are already in the ring. When we start, they did that thing where they all come in during the commercials because there's like, you know, 20 odd people in the match. Except for one more guy. We've already talked about him. He's Mark's favorite Irishman. It's Seamus. Yay. Okay, good. Yeah, Seamus comes in last, right? Because he's the baby face. He's getting right. the big and, push. And he's the big push, so yeah, he gets the entrance, yeah. of course. He's got the you know the lobster head song, which is great. That song's a blast. That is a good song, and I, I never even knew of that until you mentioned it a few months ago, <laughs> and I didn't even know that was a thing that people were making yeah. fun of. I too many limes. Too yeah. So he makes it's a good his way song to the too. Ring. It is. It's a blast. I dude. think it's better than his uh, his his next whatever the one he has now that he's had for the past like five no. years. It, I think it's better. But anyway, I like them both. But yeah, that one's a lot more fun. But it is. he makes his way down to the ring and he's got you know like there's like there's little kids with signs in the audience. You're like okay, there's a proto like babyface. They're trying right. Like you can yeah. see what they're doing. It's not. He's not David Otunga, right? No. Where there's just a vacuum and you're like, well, this is not going to work. Like there's something yeah, no. going on here. And then a little leprechaun jig starts playing. And here he comes, Mark. Here comes your boy waddling down to the ring. Turns out Hornswoggle is the 21st man in the match. Surprise. Goodbye. I'm gone. <laughs> you can finish the show without me. Don't think I wouldn't do it. But it's going to be so much more fun knowing you're listening to it. He makes his way down to the ring. Michael Cole is indignant, just like you are right now. He's like, what is it? wait, what's going on? This guy, what's he doing here? You know, and Hornswoggle gets down to the ring, kind of clambers up the steps, looks at everyone in the ring who is looking at him like, you serious? Like, you gonna you going to do this? And Hornswoggle jumps off the stairs and crawls underneath the ring. And Michael Cole's like, oh, see, he's just going home. <laughs> So, are, did you actually, like, I th- did you physically walk away, or are you just giving me the silent treatment? It's very hard to tell over the phone. Okay, cool. I'm just going to keep going, ladies and gentlemen. This is fine. No, I'm not. I'm going to wait for Mark to come back to the phone. He edits and posts all of these, so he'll have to come and check and see if I'm still talking at some point. 
Please tell me you're done with Hornswoggle. Oh, sorry. I was just going to play the Seamus song until you came back. Please tell me you finished with whatever the Hornswoggle stuff has to do and you won't mention the name again. <laughs> Mark, I'm afraid I can't do that right Dang now. It, Harris. Not, not quite yet. But he's under the ring. No, listen. He, <sighs> he crawled under the ring. He looked at everybody. He hopped off the stage. I don't want to hear. I don't ring. care. As, unless he leaves and is banished from WWE forever. I don't want to hear about it. Okay, buddy. Well, I got some bad news for you for the next 10 minutes or so. He I've got the some ring. bad news for you. And Michael Cole's like, ah, see, he just went home. And like Ugh. they start the match. <laughs> and I've never again, agreed with Michael Cole before, but. I know. Well, we so are. again, during the course of this match, like, look. I don't know if you disagree with me on this or not. Every battle royal is either bad or fine. There's no great battle royal that I've ever. Mm, yeah, not not really. It, it's pretty difficult. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, but it's you know, it's again, you can tell that they're gearing up for the Seamus push, and he eliminates some people right away. At one point, this is great. Josh Matthews is like, "All right, all right, Michael. It looks like the you know the the, the crowd's starting to thin a little bit here. So like at this point in the match, who's your pick to win?" And Michael Cole goes, Seamus. Hmm. Like there's no <laughs> there's no hesitation. There's no banter. He's just he's like, yeah, Seamus. <laughs> like, look at him. He's huge. He's the biggest one. Like he's what what are you kidding? It's gonna be Seamus. Like he just leaves it hanging in dead nice. air for like ten seconds. That's good. It's, That's good. It's very funny. He's just like, Yeah, obviously, look at him. Like he's clearly getting the push right now. He doesn't quite say that, but he might as well. And it's a very funny change of pace. I do like that. Again, this should tell you something about the match that I mostly just wrote down all the stuff Michael Cole says. At one point, Josh Matthews is like, is it true that you were tweeting the other day about how much you hate Thanksgiving, too? And Michael Cole's like, yeah, I hate Thanksgiving. It's all political. I don't want to talk about it right now. <laughs> Never explained. I don't know what that is. I don't know why he hates it, but I know he hates Thanksgiving because it's all political. It's it's really great sure. stuff. Genuinely. So... You know, we're, we're kind of we're coming down to the end here. And at some point, Michael Cole has picked Seamus to win. That's the point, you know, where the heels, it's Heath Slater, Jinder Mahal, two other guys I don't recognize because they didn't go on to do anything. You could Google them later if you want to. I, I, don't, I don't think they're one of any significance. They beat up Seamus, beat him up, you know, throw him under the bottom rope. And we're going to clearly do that terrible baby face spot where they come in at the end. This and is they Harris's favorite everybody. thing in all of wrestling. I hate it so much. It's he so dumb. It. He it's was dumb a big fan of the WrestleMania one from three years ago, uh, three or four <laughs> years ago, with when Naomi, when uh, Naomi did it to Bailey. That's Harris's favorite wrestling moment of all time. It's really funny that like the longer I watch wrestling, that's still probably the most angry I've ever gotten. Because that was such a. It wasn't a title match. It wasn't anything it was just so i think that's when i realized i hate most battle royal matches because i'm so tired of that finish and i was tired of it five years ago. so that still it, makes me laugh oh man so it i've never seen harris more mad in my mm, entire life it was really bad i was like mark for like so five funny. minutes I and just it was so red. nice oh man it's funnier now that like bailey has actually gotten a really solid main roster run and is doing some really good stuff as a heel because at the time i was like they don't know what to do with her and she needs a break she needs to win something anyway i'm not going to get into this because we will be here all night (laughs) listen they throw sheamus out the match whittles on down and now we're to the point where there's four heels left in the ring like i said it's heath slater jinder mahal 
two other guys I don't recognize, and then they stop. And they kind of look at one another, and Gender goes, wait, and points at the ring. Because Gender, Gender's kind of stupid, but not in this, like he remembered something in this case. He's not completely stupid. He says, oh, wait, we need to go get Hornswoggle, because otherwise he'll pull some BS and win this match. Because he came down to the ring. Like, he's clearly read the rule book, right? He knows nonsense like that can okay, happen in well, a battle fair. royal. That's fair. That's smart Smart on Ginger's part. Right. So they get out. They surround the ring. One of them sticks their arm under there, and he comes wriggling out, and they grab him and throw him back into the ring. And they each grab, like, one arm or one leg, and they start yeah. swinging him like they're going to throw him, like, basically into the crowd. Like they, cause they could That would throw be him fun. Up. That would be nice. They could throw him away. That would be a crazy spot. Wouldn't I would it? enjoy Man, now that. Now I'm thinking about that. Especially if all the crowd moved and he just landed on the concrete. Jeez. Savage. So this is the point where Seamus, the tried and true babyface that he is, comes charging back into the ring, makes the save, dumps each and every one of the four heels, you know, one out of each side of the ring, kicks the last one out with a thunderous brogue kick, and throws up his arms, waiting for his music to play. Except it doesn't play, because Jinder was right. So would we have found out, Jinder Mahal, vastly smarter than, than Sheamus. Well, yeah, but also Sheamus had gotten like pretty beaten up, so he's a little out of it at this point. But he clearly, when he realizes his music is not playing, he looks around and sees no one, and then looks down and sees Hornswoggle. And he's just like, dude, get out. <laughs> like what? And he points of, you know, he's like, get it. You can see, you can read his lips. He's like, get out. What are you doing? Like, stop it. You're going to get yourself hurt. Right. And Hornswoggle famously cannot speak English. He just speaks right, because gibberish. He's a little he's a, person. Right. Or a leprechaun. I don't know what. To, kayfabe explanation oh, yeah, is, no, but i guess you're el torito right. he, is, he isn't he isn't he is a leprechaun that is that is true. right well and like el torito can't speak english either but he's a bull so i assume it's that <laughs> and not the fact that they're a little person Except i don't know all the little people don't speak so you know oh yeah in little people's court they didn't speak english either i don't nope. remember i know we did no that they, d- okay. they didn't okay well anyway so, I don't think the little people spoke. We've done a lot of little people stuff. And then in the uh, the Jerry Lawler um, doink one, I don't think they spoke either. No, you're probably right. Okay, so anyway, but he pantomimes effectively to the point where he might as well say it. No, you get out. I do remember this. I'm really mad that you're bringing this up because I, now I do remember this, man. Oh, that's a shame. I was hoping I could blindside you with all of this. So he's pointing over the top rope, and Seamus is like, listen, little fella, I don't want to hurt you. I'm the baby face. I'm getting a big push here. Just be an adult and get out of the ring before I kick your head off. Seamus is and about to like, give, nope. give you a big push. He's like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. You got to get out. You got to get out. I want to win this more than you do, man. Again, I'm 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 gleaning this from context because Hornswoggle doesn't doesn't speak. actually speak English. He's just blah, 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 right. blah, blah. Seamus bodily picks him up like a child and tries to like gingerly because he's a good dude. He's not going to like shot put him into the front row like the heels were. He's trying to drop him and Hornswoggle like a like a 
tantrum throwing toddler wraps his arms and legs around the ropes and like won't be moved and you can't see me ladies and gentlemen but i'm rocking back and forth in a ball in my chair right now because that's what hornswoggle looked like and seamus is trying to push him and he can't quite push him so he clambers over the top rope and starts pulling to try to get him to pull out and finally his grip weakens and he and, and hornswoggle is standing on the apron now and seamus is just looking at him and he's like like step off like you're done you you know it's good good effort but like i clearly won this match like get out and hornswoggle looks at him like with puppy dog eyes and he's really sad he's like oh yeah okay and then he dumps seamus off and hornswoggle has won <sighs> i'm about to leave again christmas mark we can't finish the episode until you come back because otherwise you won't know if we're still going or not you edit and upload all of this so you have to check at some point <sighs> and his music starts to play and Seamus being the tried and true babyface that he is comes in looks at him for a second like he's going to kill him and then raises his hand which comes up to you know like his waist and then picks him up on his shoulder and it's very clearly like oh look at Seamus isn't he nice guy moment uh... so the match is over and the winner of the match far from a title shot or anything of any actual significance gets to have their wish granted by Santa Claus. That uh, are we going back to the uh, WWE rule book for this? Cause I feel like it needs to be uh, revisited. <laughs> there's a whole, there's that can be many like holes. There's a whole appendix dedicated to Santa Claus in the WWE <laughs> rule book, I imagine. <laughs> That's what I was Because it could have been – well, what's funny is it could have been a title shot. Like if Sheamus won and right. he was like – That's what I was wondering. Right. No, yeah, totally. Because he could have been like what, – what, like what are the limits? Could Sheamus have been like I want to be the WWE champion without now the a most, match? Again, that could be one too. I think the most cost-effective thing to do would be to wish for a kiss from Nikki Bella. Because then you could just knock both of them out at the same time. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, the potential for sexual harassment here also through the roof. But then if, if if one of them has the mistletoe thing and the other one wished for it, then then that, that, that gets you out of the sexual harassment lawsuit. Oh, yeah. No, listen, that's you need David Otunga to represent you whenever that finally <laughs> comes because it's going to be a doozy. That's a good point. It's a good point. <sighs> Mm. Oh, man. So we're, you know, we're back to the Christmas party, and now Santa's there. Actual Santa. Okay, this actual is... Santa, not 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 Mick Foley Santa. No, actual Santa. no, important distinction, and that's why I pointed that out earlier. This is right. an old man with a big white bushy beard, but he's not sitting Mick in Foley. a chair. Well, I don't think so. It's hard to tell because <laughs> the beard's very big. I'm not even being cute right now. Like the beard obscures almost all of his face. You really can't tell. Gotcha. So hey, you know, kids, make your own conclusions, right? And Hornswoggle's sitting on his lap, making oh, his Christmas no, wish. Oh, not a... Ugh, right. I but he can't... Done. But again, he can't talk, right? Ugh. So he's, he's kind of babbling okay, on... Okay, Harris, that's never stopped Santa before. Santa can understand lepre Leprechaun. This has been You would think so, but here's the thing. He, he's, he can't quite make it out. He says, oh, okay, I understand. You want, you were... want a book on the workings of the scientist Jonas Salk. And Hornswoggle's like, no, 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 and he talks again, you know, and he's like, 
You want a biography of actor Peter Falk? Is that it, young man? And Hornswoggle's like, no, 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 no. That would be nice. I wouldn't mind that. It would be funny. And then Seamus, Seamus returns. The Great White really milking that babyface push. And this actually – this makes more sense than almost anything else in the episode because who better to understand a leprechaun than the Irish wrestler Seamus? I know. He's like, no, Sonny, you got it all wrong here. See, the little fella, he just wants to talk. See, Santa was close. They really skimped out on Santa quality with this this year. No, you know, he just wants to talk. And Santa says, oh, well, young man, you've had that ability inside you all along. All you had to do was believe in yourself and get one big hug from Santa. And he hugs him. And Hornswoggle says, wow, thanks, Santa. Yeah. And then it has that little moment where he's like, yeah, thanks, Santa. Thanks. And he starts running around the party and he's yep. so happy. And he says, twins, twins, tree. And then he looks at Vicky Guerrero and says, grandma. Yep. And, and she's very angry and yep. reacts about the way you'd expect. I, and then we go on and then we have the main event. And that's, thank, you know, thank that's the Lord. A, look, we're not going to spend a lot of time on it. It's just a pretty good steel cage match. It's Daniel Bryan fighting a big monster in a steel cage. He doesn't ultimately get the win because he's still Mr. Money in the Bank and he's still the heel and he's still kind of chasing. But they treat him pretty seriously. They just give him a good like, hey, aren't you excited to be wrestling for the World Heavyweight Championship interview? And it's really good. And then the episode ends. Mark, I know you hate Hornswoggle. This episode is a great Christmas episode. That's great. I think it's I'm, I'm perfect... so happy that you are you are pleased with this Christmas episode. I think it's a great combination of just big, dumb Christmas fluff and like two or three actually genuinely entertaining just wrestling matches. I wish we got a Tiny Tim versus the Ghost of Christmas Fear match. Yeah, Don't that, get That's very disappointing. I like it. I think the fact that they put an earnest main event in here makes it just a more solid show. Like if you're if you're in the mood for a Christmas wrestling show, I mean watch the Santa got run over by Del Rio one because that's <laughs> the greatest thing I've ever seen. But this I think is a more well-rounded like the arc of the show is almost as good. And it's not quite as serious as hey Santa might be dead on Christmas Eve <laughs> if you were watching this with your little kid. Like the stakes aren't quite that high. It's just a lot of big, dumb fun with a really solid Daniel Bryan match at the end of it. I highly recommend it, unless you're Mark. I was also very excited to do this because I was like, yeah, Mark might hang up on me at some point during this episode. So I'm glad the you The worst did part it. is I definitely remember this episode, and, <laughs> and which makes it even worse. I think it's the best thing I've ever seen Hornswoggle in, which I know is not a high bar for you. No, but no, I that does not exist. It does not exist. I got nothing against Dylan Postel, whatever the actual guy, whatever his name is. Nothing against him. But there's nothing worse in the history of wrestling. There's there's two things that are the worst things in the history of wrestling that aren't stupid decisions, which we've talked about many of those. And it is Hornswoggle and it is Vicky Guerrero. And there's not a close third. There's never been more things that have made me literally mute and change the channel every single time without fail in my entire lifetime than those two things <laughs> to this day mute i'm watching aew vicky shows up mute off waiting till she's gone nope 
And Hornswoggle. Nope. 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 <laughs> and and the worst part is I'm the one who did the Hornswoggle episode. That's the yeah, worst. Yeah, I know. Part. I don't know. Both why you of did them. That. I don't know why you did that. Both but of the Hornswoggle episodes I've done. Uh, well, uh, at least you didn't have to do this one if it makes you feel any better. So do you true, think it would be true. better or worse if he could talk like a normal person? Better, to be honest. Uh, unfortunately, I guess he loses that ability immediately after this episode. Maybe it's like a Christmas. I don't even remember. That, that, I don't remember. I, I I choose to believe in kayfabe that like the mistletoe on a pole match, it's only good. The wish is only good from now until Christmas. So for one month he could talk, and then he woke up on the twenty sixth and was like, "I bet." I, I, uh, I feel like he could talk from then on out. I don't remember. I also don't, I don't remember, remember, but you know a lot more about the history and career of Hornswoggle than I do. I, much to I your chagrin. So blanked out most of that crap. Again, this is why the Hornswoggle <laughs> episode that we did, I literally titled it the worst thing in the history of wrestling. I think that's the name of the episode. It is something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You were really mad the entire time. I, I was. That. I've never been more miserable in the history of this show than when – and it was my own fault. But uh, yeah. 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 Well, the worst part was I was trying to do something else and then – Mm. It and anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah, that is the worst. That's enough. Ladies and gentlemen, crap. I highly recommend you watch this episode. I had a lot of fun with it. It's a good, fun little Christmas episode. Mark, don't don't watch it. You I'll watch it. it. I'll watch it to watch Caitlin make fun of Hornswoggle. That's the one highlight uh... of the and Booker T's face. That's the other highlight, always for sure. <laughs> and David Arquette, of course. Oh man, good lord. <laughs> Well, I would like to be able to say that was fun, but I can't. So, I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did, Harris. So, that does it for this episode, Pine the Gorilla. We won't have one next week, because it's Christmas, and then we'll be back maybe the next week. Who knows? At this point, our schedule's really just up in the air every week. We never know if there's actually going to be an episode or not. But there's definitely not going to be one next week. That I know for sure. But after that, who knows? We'll be back at some point. Um, Everyone remember to leave milk and cookies out for Hornswoggle this Christmas Eve. Somebody's not in the Christmas spirit, folks. Not anymore. I tell you. <laughs> All right. That does it. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at behind underscore gorilla. Um, give, us a, uh, give us an old follow there. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter at Marky Mark Brand. And I'm Matt Harris Wilson. So do that as well. And uh, yeah, any uh, any final thoughts, Harris? I kind of want you to tell us your favorite Hornswoggle matches on social media, but Mark might block you, so just send them to me. <laughs> I that's might. it. That's I all. actually might. That that's that's not that's not an idle threat. Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night. We all will right. block you on Saturday. <laughs> there we go. At least you rhymed it. At least you rhymed it. All right, that does it for this episode of Behind the Gorilla. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Merry Christmas, and we will talk to you next time.